Welcome to the Landmark Theatre's Q&A podcast. Today we'll hear a Q&A with writer-director Annabelle Atanasio and actors Camilla Marone and James Badge-Dale about their film Mickey and the Bear, moderated by filmmaker Robert Schwartzman. This conversation was recorded at Landmark's New Art Theatre during the film's opening weekend. Um, so, how good is that movie? It's so, did you feel that? I mean, it's crazy, right? It really, I was, it was such a magical moment. You just, watched it just now? Yeah, it was so, just being here in L.A. with everybody, opening night in L.A., this is awesome, so thank you guys. Um, all right, so I'm, I wrote all these questions down, so just stay with me for one second. Um, all right, so my name is Robert Schwartzman, and... Um, so I'm, I got to work on this movie in an, in a, on the other side of it. It was a finished movie. It was at South by Southwest. And um, I, started a, I co-founded a company called Utopia. And uh, the company came out of wanting to uh, support independent features and keep movies in theaters and um, work alongside filmmakers to see their vision through because this is her movie. And uh, she works so hard on this movie. And when it comes out, it's part of her vision, so the message needs to follow through to you guys. So we're just happy to work and support Annabelle and everyone on this stage. So thank you guys for kicking ass. And all right, here we go. So I think I'm going to do it like this. So I'm going to ask two questions per person. So it's not like uncomfortable and we're waiting for someone else to talk. Okay, so Am Annie. I first? Oh. Well, let me, let me go Annie first. <laughs> So let me talk to Anna. So how many prep days and shooting days did you have? Well, uh, I guess official prep, we had a month. Um, but I moved out to Montana in June, and that was when my prep began. And then shooting days, we had about 25 days. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, it's, it's, so can we talk about the, the look of the movie? Because it's so well-crafted. Um, yeah. Yeah. Who, so can you talk about your DP? Um, my whole family's in the audience, so thank you all for coming, guys. Um, the look of the movie, well, I don't know. I, I loved the great photographers of Americana of the 70s, like Robert, uh, sorry, not Robert, uh, William Eggleston and Stephen Shore. Um, I was also very influenced by Nan Golden and her color palette, and I kind of fused a lot of that in, together in order to create something very vibrant that kind of captured the very... I guess, bright spirit of this town in Montana, of Anaconda, um, but also played with a lot of wide lenses and created something a little more unnerving. We used zooms and we used, again, a lot of wide lenses in a very small space in order to kind of create uh, an uncomfortable feel. Um, What was it shot on? What was the camera and lens? We shot shot on the Alexa Plus, but we had an amazing... uh, We had... uh, Gosh, Panavision Prime lenses from the seventies. I don't know anything more specific than that. But we shot. We actually had like a. I thought they were Panavision so. Primes, by the way. They look just yeah. like Panavision Primes. Oh, cool. Yeah, I wouldn't no, know. Um, but yeah, Connor Murphy, the DP, really wanted to kind of replicate that that look of the films that we were sort of referencing, like Paper Moon and Ordinary People, and these great family dramas of the 70s and 80s, uh, and that's kind of why we chose those lenses. It looks so good, right? God, it looks so good. <laughs> um, 
Thank you. So, and we'll let's jump around a little bit. Cool. <laughs> was that um, Nona? No, that wasn't Nona. So can we talk about your performance? Sure. Okay, cool. Um, so can we, how did you prepare for the role? What's your process? How did you go into it and, and get into this character? I have a different process for every role that I do. The last thing I did was a comedy, and it was completely different than this. So I, I work differently every time, depending on the character. But this was a scary role for me. I didn't exactly know how to prep this character. And the first thing that I did was just kind of find where I could relate to Mickey as a young adolescent woman and, and coming into her womanhood. And those years were in very important years in my life as they are in Mickey's life. And, and they weren't that long ago for me, which is, is a blessing because I was able to really refer back to them and, and tap into that. But it was a lot of, you know, studying children of abusive parents and children that live in abusive homes and a little bit about veterans because I didn't know as much as, as when I started filming. And yeah, I, I have a really great acting coach that helped me kind of create Mickey's backstory. Did you guys rehearse together, and how did you guys prep together, you and Annie? Yeah, we, Annie and I got... This is exactly what happens every yeah, time we get microphones. <laughs> we prepped a lot, I feel like. We, we did a whole day of workshopping scenes in June, and then... Whole day is like nothing for a movie. <laughs> uh, we did a day of that. We did a lot of phone talks. We did a, a day at the taxidermy store. And then we had a week of rehearsals, which I was really insistent on to rehearse the entire movie. That was the most growth, I think, for Badge and I was having a week to be in the trailer and get familiar with our home and you know where things are and learning you know, how to live within this space. And then we got to run almost all the scenes in the movie, but without really doing them fully so we could surprise each other on the day. Your mic's not on. How's that? Is that yeah, good? that's right, good. There we go. Right. It's the on button. Cam Cammy's a very surprising actress, so like she comes very prepared. She's she's done a ton of homework, and then I like to work this way also. Like, let's not let's not lose something. You know what I mean? So like, let's film the rehearsal. Let's let's get in there. I know she's done the work. I've done the work. We've all done the work. Let's come in and let's just throw down and and see what we get and don't lose those magic moments because it's um, she's she's unpredictable. And then are you sorry with that? Sorry, are you um, with that style? Is that a style you have as an actor? Is that typically do you like to kind of play around, throw it around, and go off page, or are you very sticking with the the script? Yes. Yeah, okay. I can attest to that. That's the best thing, though. That's what you want. I mean, each of them gave such variety, and that's really what you want, you know. I remember we talked when I was like, "We're gonna rehearse," and you're like, "Yeah," but like, I do. I'm very open on the day, and we. I think the three of us really jived on that. Yeah, there's something beautiful about being open on the day, and and uh, this is what I love about this movie so much is what what you're seeing wasn't so planned and prepped, you know. And there's this. You, you try to find like this little lightning moment between people and then, and then you film it. And this, this film is just, there's a lot of heart in this movie. Mm -hmm. I felt like um, watching it, just being here with everybody and watching it, I felt like, whose phone is that? I know whose phone it Turn is. Turn that phone off. No, it's okay, you can leave it on. Grandpa, um, is that you? 
No. I felt like, um, I feel like I, I, well, first of all, I, f I fell into this world. I, f I really was a part of this ride, you know, and I, could you feel, you know, you feel like you kind of get lost in this world. And that's part of the f of filmmaking magic of making movies is the illusion of this, of what a film is and believing that world. And it's all the sum of all these parts that take you on that journey. And I felt like watching it, I felt like I, like Hank took me for a ride watching this movie because I really felt like I was Mickey watching him on screen. Mm -hmm. And I, I really like, I, I was rooting for him and then at, for, at some point I kind of got mad at him and I was angry at him. But I, because I, I feel like she goes in and out of, she has to be there for him and then she just doesn't want anything to do with him but he kind of sucks her back in and it's so frustrating. I felt her like that frustration for her as a character. I think that's what James Badgedale really delivered in this performance is yeah. that there's never a given moment where you absolutely hate him and he's a monster and there's not any given moment where, you're, where you think that this girl should never leave him and he, he's amazing and healthy for her and that she should stay. So that's what a good actor does. It doesn't reveal the answer ahead of time. That was a big thing Thank for you. us too, is like we always talked about keeping it light and even in his darkest moments, really trying to play into the lightness because that's what you do in these dynamics is you try to keep hope alive. It's very hard to exit an abusive dynamic because you know one day the person might be awful to you, but the next day they might be the best person in the world. So we played a lot. Yeah, I, I just want to say it's, it's, it's kind of interesting to come up and talk to people after this film because what you're left with, the last image you're left with is, is kind of a hard image. And I want to let you know, like our experience in this film was very kind of uplifting because we were always striving to find a connection. And we actually shot that last scene on the last day. And that was the only time for me that it got dark. The only time was about 2 a.m. in that trailer, and I turned to Cammy. Um, I'm sorry, Annie, and I was like, I, I don't, I don't know how to do this. This is, this is, this movie's dark. <laughs> That's when you realize six yeah, weeks it was, in. It was yeah, the last day. <laughs> I realized way before that. Um, can I also badge? Can I ask you about like uh, so, uh, how you got involved in the film? Because you've worked on so many productions of different budgets and different types of campaigns behind films and. You, you, you chose to be a part of this journey of this film, and I'm just curious how you got to that. It was Annie's script, you know? I, I remember reading it in my backyard. I'm out in, uh, uh, I live in Montauk, Long Island. It's a pretty quiet place, and, uh, well, not in the summer, but. Um, it, was, it was just one of those days where, where I just had it to myself, and I was sitting there, and I was so scared of it. You know, there was, there was a certain element of truth in there. It was, it was frightening, it was risky work. Uh, there was not one line of exposition. And um, <clears throat> it just was dealing with a lot of elements that through the past I've dealt with. Uh, not only in my own personal life, in my family's life, my father's life, my father's father's life, uh, but I've worked with a lot of veterans over the years. And there was a, there was a continuation that, that I felt I could bring to it. Um, but uh, it was all Annie and her writing. Thank you. No. Um, so can we? Can I ask you a question about how you feel about the movie looking back? Because you've been a part of this the post production, such a long process. You're living in this movie for so long. How did you? When you watch this movie now, do you? How do you feel about it? Is there something you look back and you're like, oh, I wish. 
I would have cut here a little sooner or like yes. I wish this was longer. <laughs> it's interesting. It's like the the journey with this movie, this was this began as just an expression and an an outlet. I I didn't this story was just in me and I can't really explain exactly how or why and I think I've always been Mickey and understood these dynamics from my when I was a kid and it was just in me for years. And over the course of years, I kind of decided that I wanted to direct it and that I might actually be the person to direct it. And it became more influenced by movies that I wanted to sort of emulate and movies that I wanted to pay homage to. Um, and I think then that's when it became more structured. And through that process of not only structuring it, but researching veterans' families and toxic dynamics in the home, um, and Montana, I was able to kind of separate my angst from the film. So then now it's like this culmination of all of this stuff, both emotional and artistic. And I almost, I was watching it just now, which I really didn't think I was going to do. Um, and I don't, like, I feel like the, the circle has closed of like that part of my life where I felt a lot of the feelings of being silenced or boxed in or overlooked as a woman. I feel like watching it now, I'm like, that was that period, and I've now moved on to something else. So it's a very beautiful thing, the way films can kind of represent these cycles in life. And we're here, so are there filmmakers here or actors, people in, in this industry? Yes. Awesome. Well, it's great to be here and talk about this, because I think there's a takeaway for everybody in this room, talking to everybody on this stage. Um, so Cammie, um, so could we just want to shift gears and talk about going forward and new projects. And um, when you think about other actors out there and the choices they make and projects that are picked, um, is there is there other 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 actors you really look up to that you feel um, they're doing stuff that you really love and respect? Yeah, there's a lot of actors' careers that I would be only so lucky to have. You know, half of the accomplishments they they have achieved, but it's a difficult thing as an actor because I think, and this is being completely honest, there's such a, a pull between wanting to work as an actor and then having to think of the big picture and having longevity. And it's a, a fine line between when do you take a job because you're dying to be on set and you miss the feeling and you haven't worked in months, and when do you think, okay, I want to be doing this for a long time and I want to look back at, at my resume and my career and be very proud of the choices that I made and have them only be because there were things that I really wanted to do. And I think that that's a really fine line for an actor and I think that that's where a lot of people get, get stuck. And so, you know, being very new in my career, I just try and think about, you know, what, are the, what is the grand scheme of what I'm trying to tell? What is the, the, the big picture looking 60 years down the line and not just being desperate and taking things in the next two months because I want to be a working actor? But, yeah, I mean, there's careers like Jennifer Lawrence, I think, has chosen incredible roles time and time again. Emily Blunt, Jessica Chastain, I think. I mean, the list could go on and on, but that's the main thing that I'm thinking about is what am I going to be proud of telling 60 years down the line? Thank you. Um, so, and then James, can I ask you a question? Sure. Okay, thanks. Um, so, there's, I, I love your movies and I love your work as an actor. I respect you very much. And there's an intensity in your work. And I wanted to ask you, is there a role that you think about 
wanting to play one day that you feel would be a, a, ch a challenge? Like, is there something you think about? Like, I would love to do this one day. I can't wait to take that on. Oh, I don't know, man. I, I'm just trying to do lighter work now, you know? <laughs> Same. Um, I'm only doing comedies from now on. Only comedies from now on. Or is there, is there a certain type of role or experience? Have you done, have you done theater, stage work? Is there yeah. something that you feel like, or is there something you, that scares you as an actor that you would kind of like, would be interested in trying? Yeah, actually, that's an interesting question. I know, I know we joke around about comedies. I've, I've been on some comedy sets. I'm not a comedic actor. Like what comedic actors do, like that intrinsic talent that they have, I don't have that. I can't play in that world and it makes me very uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> in, in a strange way, films like this make me feel comfortable, you know? Um, I don't have a definitive answer for you. All I, all I can say, I, I think I'm, I'm just entering a new time in my life here, and um, um, this film was very deep and important to me, uh, and um, it marked a change. It marked a shift. I was able to work out some old shit, and now I'm looking for some new shit. <laughs> yeah. Same. Same. Um, and I was gonna ask both of you guys this question. Working with Annie, working on this film, is there a lesson learned, a takeaway that you feel will be a part of you on the next project? Yeah, don't ever work with a, a non-actor director again. <laughs> Annabelle is, is, I guess people are not gonna understand what I just said. Annabelle was an actor and a great one at that and so she really has a certain level of sympathy and empathy when it comes to directing another actor which is I think a tool that is often overlooked with directors and it creates a certain safety net and safety zone because there's so many moments in this movie and in everything that I've done where I'm confused and lost and con and don't know where to turn and doubting myself and just to have someone who knows what it's like to be in front of the camera and to be that person and to feel that way is a really big blessing. So I, I only want to work with you from now on. <laughs> Good. It's, it's so wild to hear you say that because that, that word safe, I think that's escaped me. And that's exact, the exact feeling that I had on the set, that Annie creates this environment that you're safe to be creatively free. And um, it's, it's a really, really good, positive work environment. We love you, Annabelle. Love you, Annabelle. <laughs> and what, and for Anna, as the same question for you as well, working together with everybody. Like the next project you're thinking about and how do you... But what are the takeaways you feel would be interesting to apply to the next project? I mean, I don't know. I love actors. And I get, yes, like I, I do come from that background, so I do have tremendous understanding that it's incredibly hard and it's incredibly noble what these two were able to accomplish in this movie. Um, so I just, I think I'm never going to write anything that's not character-driven and performance-driven and specifically looking at people who are underrepresented in, in film. Um, and so I hope, I mean, I'm not, I don't hope, I'm going to continue doing that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, can I ask you a question? Does, uh, does Mickey leave? Does she get out of there? I'm curious, what, like, where do, what happens, what, what was the next Cut. If there was another scene you could write, well, after there's this. been talk of the sequel, yeah. <laughs> and we're here to announce it. Yes, exactly. San Diego. A, a lot of a lot. Yes, exactly. Mickey in college. Um, flashbacks. Um, a lot of people they always ask one of us or both of us 
what happens between them and what happens when she leaves. And people get very uncomfortable with the unresolved ending. But it's not meant to be resolved. It's really, the focus is really on her choice to leave because anybody who's been in any sort of toxic family dynamic or relationship or even work dynamic with a boss or a coworker, you know it's like the decision to stand up for yourself, that's the hardest thing. Whether you continue in your job or continue in the relationship, that's that's another thing. But the decision to say, I'm not okay with this anymore and I'm either leaving or I simply am just going to stand my ground, that's what I really wanted them to focus on. This is my fa family, thank you. And then just time-wise, are we, we're okay? Okay, cool. Um, could I ask you guys about music for a second? Because I'd love, I feel like we don't get to talk about music with movies. It seems like a left out subject. What's on your playlist? Like when you go into set, did you, was there a certain kind of music that gets you into character or? Eminem. That was really? Ben's was song. Yeah. No, not me. That was Ben. Oh, that was um, Ben. Oh. <laughs> that was Ben. I got it, I got it. I turned it off next. Um, yeah. Because music is a part of our lives every day and it puts us in a certain state of mind and can make us, make us happy or make us feel a certain emotion. Is there something mm -hmm. that you bring into your roles with music or the idea of sort of prep with, you know, what, what are, you, are you going to set listening to something? Going no, I, I feel you, man. Like sometimes, sometimes on certain stories, I'll find certain songs or certain artists that I really get into. And for me on this was Waylon Jennings. I listen to Adele when I have a crying scene. <laughs> Any Adele song from number 25, album number 25, I'm like, <laughs> okay, I got this. How about you, Annie? Uh, music in this movie was used so well. It was used such a surgical way of using music. It, was, didn't, it didn't get in the way. It was like right there. Can you talk about your composer and how that all happened? Well, we, it, all of our temp was Cliff Martinez. I'm like a huge Cliff Martinez fan. Um, so it was all this synth, or you know, a lot of synth and very kind of like sterile sounding music that would almost undercut what was going on. I didn't really want to like highlight either the Montana vibe with folk music or anything like that, and I also didn't want to play into the emotions until the very end. So we did this like very weird synth score, um, and then the soundtrack. It's a combination of kind of like more country Western music and then stuff that I would imagine teenagers listen to, which is Uffy and Tune Yards and these kinds of more pop, you know, the hip hop song that they're listening to at the the campfire, that atrocious song. Um, and yeah, I don't know. We wanted to keep it kind of, I mean, like we were saying, I wanted to keep it, it gets to a dark place, so why not be sort of lighthearted in the music? Um, because for me, that speaks more to the teen experience, is to have kind of a, a range. And then um, when you uh, got to work with Badge and Cami, how did you uh, end up, did you uh, envision them in the script while you're writing the script, or how did you guys all connect on this project? Um, I mean, now there's like no separation. They And actually, when I watched the movie just now, I was like, embarking on how much they each brought to the role and like made their individual roles, but also the dynamic so unique. The thing that was uniform between Cami and Badge is both of them have this fearlessness and this willingness to try anything. And you can just tell that from their energy without even seeing any of their work. Um, 
And I guess seeing Cammy and never going back and seeing Badge's work, um, I knew somehow that there would be this like lightning in a bottle thing where there would be this electricity to, between them. And you know, the second we got to set, both of them were fully in character, uh, ready to rehearse, already sort of like building that intimacy and that history together. And yeah, I think I was very lucky, but I also kind of had an instinct about both of them together. So you, and you both met on set for the first, like you, there was no prep time ahead of going to Montana. And so I met Cammy like a couple months before um, when we did like a test day and we did a ton of scenes and shot all the scenes on, or shot like eight scenes or so on my iPhone um, in Montana, which was an amazing experience. And Badge, I just met for coffee before that. Um, yes, we met for coffee. And that was. And then Badge and I met for the first time yeah. on day one of rehearsal. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you both met day one. Yeah. Wow, amazing. Day one. We never met before. Incredible. Though. Amazing. Um, should we? Is there? A, should we do questions? You want to do Let's like a questions. couple, couple audience questions? Is that okay? You could just yell it out, all at the same we, time. Everyone looks real. Everyone asks questions at the exact same time. Yeah. She was just asking about the use of close-up versus the first time wide shot really is used is at the fair scene with the quasi-crane shot. It was not a crane shot. Um, I don't know. I guess they're both so expressive by doing very little. Um, and I think we, we were in quite close quarters, so close-up is helpful for that. But um, also... A lot is about this movie is what you read between the lines. So it's a lot about like those really subtle facial expressions or somebody not blinking in a moment and you being terrified what they're gonna do. And I think Badge and Cammy really played played into the between the lines-ness and that's why we kind of use close up. And then that like that sort of like where's Waldo shot um, is the first time her world sort of opens up at the fair. And that's kind of counteracted by the circular shot where her world kind of gets turned upside down. Where there's a lot, of, I saw there are moments of where there are pushes in, there's some zooms. Are those in camera? Was that any done in post? Both. Okay. We wanted to add more in post because yeah. we, this is like not overtly a suspense film at all. It's much more slice of life, but we wanted there to be a suspense engine yeah. and adding adding very, very subtle zooms definitely help with that. Any other, oh, back there? In the way, way back. You could, oh, uh, yes, yes. Are you from Montana? Yes. Where are you from? You're from Great Falls, cool. She was just asking about Anaconda versus anywhere else. Well, I got, the, the short version is I, went to a school that had these research grants and I applied for a grant to study veterans' families and specifically I wanted to study them in Montana. And once I kind of got the grant and was able to pick a town, I picked Anaconda because it was quite small and there wasn't a lot about it on the internet or in books, but other than the copper mine and all of that. Um, but it had this very dense veterans community. There was an American Legion, a VFW, disabled veterans chapter, a VA outpost, and this recreational group called the Grumpy Old Men, and who are awesome. Um, and I was like, this seems, this seems promising to me. Um, so that's kind of why I picked Anaconda. And then once I got there, I really connected with the people there, and particularly a couple kids my age. Um, 
So it was just, it was just quite natural. Uh, and then I just felt obligated to continue with the conceit to tell this story there. So we have to wrap. I just want to throw one last question at the group as we say farewell. Um, well, I want to say it takes a lot to make a movie. It takes a lot of time, a lot of love. And um, you really have to just see it through. And this is such a big success for everybody. Just to even make a movie is just a huge success, I think. And to have it come out so great is even more amazing. So congratulations. Um, yes. So, so right around, this is the time where people start reviewing movies, which is like that other part, which is kind of like weird because you get all these opinions outside. My question for the group is, do you read reviews? We're on a group chat. <laughs> I feel like we all read them. We're all like, yes, this is great. Yeah. I mean, we've gotten We've gotten great, all really yeah. good ones. We've gotten That's great why. reviews. So the movie's like, getting great reviews if it for was the record, everybody. If, if we were getting that really bad ones, <laughs> No, no, I'm just curious if you are curious, if you want to know, and you're like, I don't want to know, but I want to know. Or, I only, like, I only I read them once Annie sends them to me, and they're approved. She, won't, she wouldn't send me the bad ones. I wouldn't send Annie them. Annie filters them. Yeah, you guys. Oh are yeah, get, of course. But there's th no. This movie is consistently getting such great press, yes. and it's yeah. such a. I mean, it really speaks. It's because the movie is such a great movie. So it, it wouldn't happen without that. So Thank it really you. says something about the movie. Thank you guys. Um, I probably shouldn't. I just want to say on, on the point of reviews, like for an actor, like we shot this a year ago, you know, and and so there's a certain removal you have with film. You talked about theater earlier. Don't read the reviews, man, because you still have to get up every night and do that. Right. You know, so that's that's the difference. This yeah. we put to bed, so it's like yes. it's a little less personal in a way. Exactly. Um, and you know, it's like it's it's bad for the ego either way with with these reviews. It's like for me, I think I I just started doing this, so I I was really curious, and I also have like very little self control and I'm very uh, self deprecating. So I was like, what do people think? Um, but I do think generally. I think moving forward, maybe I wouldn't just because it is kind of either way they go, it's kind of bad for your ego. So it, it, it's weird. I mean, uh, listen, I, I just now we're gonna get in the yeah, whole thing. No, no, sorry. This I is just, the round I table. Have to say this. I just have to say this. I've been around a bit. I have some bad, bad reviews <laughs> in my life, and then I have some nice ones. And you know what? Doesn't matter. I don't know. I'm still here doing it. You know. So like, our job is like, and your job as an artist is to do your work and put it out to the world and hope people feel something. And if you don't like it, cool. If you like it, cool. I'm really happy you showed up. But it's not my business anymore. You know what I mean? Like, this is it. Thank you for coming. Thank you guys so much for being here. Um, so this movie's it just opened L.A. It has a long run to go into the new year. So word of mouth is everything for everything in this world. So do not be shy. Tell everyone you love. Tell your friends. Post about it. Um, every uh, conversation means so much to film. And go out and see movies every night because they're awesome. So thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Landmark Theaters Q&A podcast. If you want to hear more conversations with filmmakers about the latest independent, foreign, and documentary films opening at Landmark Theatres, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or visit our podcast website at landmarktheaters.podbean.com. You can also check out our YouTube channel for videos of Q&As and other exclusive content. See you next time.